Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Hello, Puzzling Company people. I'm laughing right now because it says Jared and Zach, and Zach's not here today. Uh, And I'm realizing we need to make a new intro that's more inclusive to all of the people that are a part of this. Yeah, unfortunately, I can never fill Zach's shoes. (laughs) But uh, it's Jared here with Matthew today, just the two of us. This is kind of the beginning of us splitting up and not always Jared and Zach being on every episode except for that really awkward episode where Zach was sick and I had to record by myself and that was so sad to th- listen that to. was yeah that was not my favorite episode me talking the entire time but we are here today to talk about a really really cool game this one felt like Christmas morning it did play. and in January which is impressive because we just had Christmas but today we're covering a game that's fresh off of Kickstarter called the Shivers by Andy Logan and we are hyped to talk about this game because we have been waiting by our mailbox anxiously for this to come out. And now we finally got to experience and hang with us. We'll be right back to get all of the detailed details about this really cool game. Zach, Zach, what's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay. I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? It's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this Southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And okay, let's let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before Boston, like... Ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Uh, do you know what state that the murder happened Yeah, it in? happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about like the lovely city murder that happened? Yes. Like the killing affairs That's game? what I'm talking about. But now you're not, now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about A Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, But over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at AKillingAffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Jared, how do they do it? How do they do what, man? Scarlet Envelope every month sends me a new game with a new story and new formatting, but it all works so well. Dude, I know. It's like one month I'm catching a serial killer in the 50s. Right? But then when another one, we had to stop the second Galaxy War. I know. And then the next month, I'm trying to rescue a dragon in the medieval kingdom. It's just crazy that every month they keep sending out a new game that also leads up to like this crazy secret society element. It's it's a gift. I don't know how they do it. But here's what I do know. If you want to go to scarletenvelope.com and use code PUZZLINGCOMPANY, all one word, you can get $10 off their catch-up bundle, which is a full set of 13 games. Or you could just sign up monthly and journey with it. They're so fun. I'm so excited for the next one. I can't wait.
welcome back. Here we are in our first section, and in this section we do what we love and what we crave, and that is talk about the game that we just got to play. Uh, as I mentioned, this game is, uh, we played it just Matthew and I, which had some unique factors in it, but Matthew, I want to throw it to you so that you can kind of talk about the format of this game because it's very unique. Extremely. No, and I, I love everything about the format of this game. So for those who might not know too much about me, I am very experienced when it comes to tabletop role-playing games specifically. I'm a bit newer to the puzzle-verse. And so to see what this was and to start to like look through the rules and go, oh, this is a D&D style puzzle game. There's dice rolling, there's areas to go through, there's pop-up art style of... Uh, I'm going to say dungeons, although that's just like the traditional term for it. It's it's so much fun to go through and to have all these like things that are designed to be like screens and to be able to keep track of the story myself as the storyteller or the game master, whatever you want to call it. And then I got to run Jared through this game. Yes, you did. Today. And that's, that's a unique factor about this game is, and something we weren't prepared for going in, probably because I didn't read the Kickstarter fully enough, but oops. Um, one of the unique factors of this game is you do need someone to operate it outside being a character in this game. And uh, Matthew being the eager beaver that he is as a really great DM was like, I'm, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I was like, great, because I really don't want to do it and I probably won't be that great at it. But that is part of the format is, I think the only other game that Zach and I played that is similar to this is Detective City of Angels where you have that person who's called the Chisel and they're acting as this, god outside the force character but you're right for the confines of this game it's called a storyteller and how does so let, let maybe we talk about that in terms of format for a minute in terms of format of storyteller what are you doing what does that mean so as the storyteller i read ahead i get to kind of cheat on the story i get to know all of the puzzles that you're going to be going up against i am actually the hint system i can provide the player with whatever they need in order to solve a puzzle that they're having trouble with and i'm also the enforcer of the rules so there are three books there is a lore book which i love to death there is the instructions manual which gives you the basic rules of play and then there is the storyteller's companion which is what's just kind of there to help the storyteller have some tools to randomize and get better at improv as unexpected details come into play there were some things that i made up that jared probably had no clue and i was just totally just just great acting and on the spot Improv improvisation which was great it's great and then uh the rules the only rules that the main players need to know about are the rules that are written on the back of their sheet and anything i bring up to them so there are plenty of rules in here that i as the storyteller could decide to not follow and then i could follow such as randomizing loot that you might find in certain areas and if you play multiple episodes in a series i can dictate how you can carry items between episodes and all of that which is super fun and then there's also a process for customizing characters and customizing locations which is just absolutely incredible it's it's so much fun to look into and i intend on playing more of this game after this episode goes up for sure now, my experience in terms of just format, we're not talking likes and dislikes yet, as being the characters moving through the story that, that Matthew has control over, it's very search-heavy with some minor puzzling. I don't think this is, I wouldn't describe this as like, this is a puzzler's dream. It's not. Um, it, it, but it feels very authentic to what is trying to be accomplished. I wish that I had played with a few more people so that there had been a little more interaction 
actually, in, as, as we're about to tell you, we played the intro and then just game A1. Um, there's four chapters in the A game. And we've, as of this review, we're just covering the intro and A1. So I'm sure there's some really cool mechanics and stuff down the road, but just to kind of get your feet wet. I'm looking at things, using my powers based on my character to explore. And that really is the format of the game. Travel to the different areas, look at things, and then some, as I mentioned, some minor puzzling. Put that all together in a really tight narrative. And that's the shivers is what I would say. Now, leaving it at that would be a disservice because this game is phenomenal in some really, really unique some really, really unique aspects. I'm going to throw it to Matthew real quick because he almost passed out once we opened the box and started going through the box. And, and I think we should start there is opening the box and just like the Christmas that it was. Yes, absolutely. So Jared was kind enough to give me the honors of he uh, cut one piece of the wrap and then I cut the other piece and then we tore it open and he gave me the box to take the cover off. Had a very pleasant squeak as it came off. That's how you know it's going to be good. And then we start pulling things out and unfolding and looking through all these notes that it provides you. And the first thing from looking at the box, from looking at the art, you know that this aesthetic to this game is absolutely brilliant. It is so well designed. Uh, I know this is kind of what the artist is known for is this pop-up style. It feels like you're playing through a storybook on both ends of this. And it is so interesting and fascinating for the medium. It, it, it is because that all of it's pop-up art, it's foldable pop-up art that you're looking at, but they just, they just didn't settle for that. It's gorgeous. Like every different zone or room in this manner that you're exploring, it fits that classic spooky fun vibe. And it's just so vibrant. I, I am not a D and D player. I am. I'm not, I, I played one campaign when I was in college. It was very short and I don't even know if we made it all the way to the end. I don't remember. But to hear Matthew, who is very involved in that, geek out over things that I felt like I was hearing him say, like, I wish I had this in some of my campaigns. I got a taste of just how important this stuff is in a primarily role-playing game, right? Absolutely. Because a lot of times what uh, newer players complain about is not having enough tangibility to a lot of those role-playing games, since a lot of them are very imagination-based. So, like... I was just saying to Jared before we started recording, like, I wish that I just bought this game for the exact price he bought it for the gaming content. I wish I bought it as just a resource. If there were there was no game involved, there were no pre-made scenarios, it was just, here's some alternative role-playing rules, and here are these environments with magnetic sides you can stick them together it's so oh. well made and then the stairs cause these like cool corner effects i love it so much i would love to just use these pieces and these character sheets and the markers and the dice system just at my table like i'm considering doing that and seeking resources out like these so the fact that there's a game on top of that you are getting your money's worth with this game 100 percent. i love that i love that uh, i love that 100 percent. i think you nailed it like this is a beautiful game. I I like I would take the pop-ups and just put them around the room and display them because they are at the heart of why I think people love this genre of things. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. The second thing that is really at the heart of the shivers that we really enjoyed is there there's a lot of content here, but it is all a hundred percent story driven, which I know 
is at the heart of Matthew as well. Like, we didn't know that about this game. That's what's so funny is, like, I thought we were just going to play a, a really cool kind of pop-up search and find, almost uh, like some of our uh, other games that we, like the adventure games that we played from Cosmos. I thought it was going to be akin to that where Matthew and I are co-op and we're side-by-side side and we'll flip a card over. That didn't happen. And I think this game, if you were to put Matthew and I together as one human, that's what the Shivers is. It's, it is the role-playing and the dungeon mastering of a D&D with the fun, explorative, escape room-style puzzling that I love. Right. And so people always joke with me like, oh, yeah, you like D&D. You work at an escape room. I bet you would love to make an escape room style of dungeon in your campaigns. I'm like, I would, but you can't do that because what you're doing you're taking away the whole searching aspect of an escape room whenever you point specific details out, which is the problem in D&D. Or they have to make perception checks, and if their character is not high in perception or intelligence in that kind of realm, they're not going to be able to find those kinds of things. Right. So, And that, that kind of takes away the whole fun of anybody can get really good in an escape room, right? So with this, I can make escape room style of search and find dungeons because... It's all as, there. As a player, you get a magnifying glass and you literally just get to look through the scenery and see these little details and say to the storyteller, hey, I noticed there's a note on the table. Tell me about it. And then the the search, the storyteller has the ability to give you a search check using the dice or just let you read it. And then you can look through it, see these notes, pick up on clues, write things down. There's a cool inventory system involved and all kinds of ways that the puzzle starts to come together over the course of the story with this witch and these conjuring monsters and this giant bee at one point. All <laughs> kinds of really fun, spooky little stuff that you can adjust to your players. And I absolutely adored it. I love it. And we will uh, we will talk more in depth in the spoilers episode on our Patreon if you want to know the, the stories that we just played, some of the funny moments that we had, kind of the characters that we took on. Uh, so if be sure a plug for check out the Patreon. Coming back to what we enjoyed, um, this game is at a really unique intersection as I think about it. Uh, what we wrote down and what we talked about is it's simultaneously incredibly palatable for anyone, yet very elegantly detailed for people who care Absolutely. about this type of stuff. Absolutely. I can't believe how much was thought of. Right. In this game. No, there's so many details. And then on the storyteller's end, there are so many things like, uh, Jared didn't get to experience this part. The notes are color coded. So the white notes you're supposed to read out loud. And then the orangish yellow notes you're supposed to keep to yourself and then reveal as necessary, which is so cool. So on the back of these environments, there are these notes that I can pick and choose what I read. Uh, and it tells me what it suggests. And that is so well thought of that somebody who is super passionate for this is going to enjoy. And then for somebody new to this realm, maybe somebody who wants to get into role-playing games, get into game mastering, gets to learn super easily. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree because we're going to talk in a little bit in our Rooms for Improvements who this is for. And I think you're detailed. But this is like, I'm so impressed. And we waited a long time to get this game. And I have no regrets from that. I think this will be a smash success for so many people who are in both worlds and want to get a little taste of the other. If you want to get a little taste of role-playing or you want to get a little taste of escape rooms, it's all here. 
as we move into our room for improvements, I don't have, we don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, I'll throw it to Matthew first to kind of kick off where we felt like maybe just some tweaks could be. So for starters, um, with how the rules kind of play out when you're learning how to play, one of the hardest things for both ends, the storyteller and for the player, is role play. Role playing is very difficult to learn how to just do on the spot. So especially if you're more of like the puzzle type person uh, and you're not even aware of the role playing aspect, when you first open up the box and realize that there's a role playing aspect, you might get that like sinking feeling. Yeah, it might be a turn off to yeah, you, 100%. And, and that can be scary. And then also just there's a lot of learning that you're going to have to do on top of the puzzles. So... You know, that is a bit difficult, and especially one of the most difficult things is that you need to have the storyteller. So if nobody in your party was prepared for the role-playing aspect, and then you're like, oh, we just need a storyteller, and then you're like, oh, well, one of these people is, like, really good at improv, and they read through it, and they're like, I don't know any of this, like, lingo. I don't know how to run this well. And the problem is, let's say they are still confident after that. They're like, I know the rules. I can do it and they start running it, they can still ruin the experience for everybody. And I'm not putting the blame on the player there. That's, like, really hard to learn how to yes. do. It takes years of getting really practiced and learned when it comes to these kinds of games. And they're taking the whole game down with them because they have no idea how to do it right. And that just that can be a really big fear thing to look to. And then also it can just be like, wow, this game wasn't that good, when it was really just you needed to learn more in order to enjoy it. I think that's a great point and, and something that our listeners need to be aware of. Don't run into this game thinking this is a purely co-op experience. You need someone who is, I would say, at least knowledgeable about role playing in order, and I think, to have the best experience so that you can do that. The other part of that that I will mention before we move on to it is this game will end in 15 minutes if you don't role play. Absolutely. If, if you're here just for the puzzles and there's maybe, in what we played in the tutorial and in the first, and again, we don't know what's ahead of us. There could be more. If, if we had just done the puzzles, I may have searched for three minutes, solved puzzles for five minutes, and then Matthew may have read dialogue for right. five minutes. Absolutely. But it took us about 45 minutes to an hour because we were having fun with it. You know, Matthew played a character that would kind of help and guide me if I was getting off track. I was playing a character. There was another NPC in the game. And you have to know that coming into it that the most enjoyable form of this game is not just playing it dryly. And absolutely. And the good thing about that is that when you play it, this is actually a really good way to learn role-play game tropes, how to learn how to play a good character, how to learn how to write these kinds of games. But still... That might not be what people are signing up for when they look at a puzzle game, when they look at a puzzle game forum. Um, and this whole problem of, hey, if we don't role play, this game could take 15 minutes really leads into the other issue that you could have with this game, which is there is a lot of setup and it can feel very yes. overwhelming. And that's our other point. And as somebody who just gets overwhelmed super easily, even when it comes to games that I love, like I love D&D, &D, but sometimes whenever like I'm setting up, I get a little stressed out with this game. There's one point where I looked at Jared and we're like, uh, we could just do something else for a second because I'm getting a little <laughs> nervous about this. But like, I did. I kind of threw Matthew. I was like, you figure it out. Like, cause I can't be, I cannot be our dungeon master. I, this will go, I, you'll, I will tell you something wrong. I will do something, but you're, you're right. The setup is um, probably my biggest room for improvement. But at the same time, there's two things. I don't know how to combat that. Right. And two, it's worth it. 
absolutely. And I think what the solution to that really is, is you have an experienced storyteller say, hey, guys, uh, go ahead, go to the kitchen, get some drinks ready, maybe start the food, have some conversations, look through the characters, decide on yes. what you want, yes. uh, make up funny backstories, have some fun with this, scroll through your phones, get that out of your system, use the bathroom. I'm going to set up the game board. I'm going to put it away. And then as you guys explore, I'm going to put that onto the table and stuff, and they're going to have notes ready. And that's awesome. That's a great way to start a role-playing game session. Or you just come with it pre-set up for the, the first episode you're going to play and then just have a quick way of like switching things out as props are needed. I agree. Um, but again, for people who aren't experienced, this setup is scary. It yeah. took me a second of just going, okay, let me just look at the setup guide. I will figure it out. But my immediate instinct was to run. I, I won't lie. <laughs> As was mine when we met certain characters in this game. <laughs> Get out. No, but it, but between those two things, I don't want that to be a hindrance. And if you're curious about this game, picking it up, because it is well worth it just from the production alone. We talk all the time about there's a lot of really pretty escape rooms out there that are just pretty. This is pretty and fun yeah. and, and plays really well, but you have to be aware of things going into that. I'll tell a quick aside. I bought a game off of Kickstarter that is very well loved that I will admit that I haven't played called Alice is Missing. Really cool role-playing game. We've talked about it with some of our creators early in the season. I thought I was just going to be able to pick up and play that game. Like I open the box and go. That's not the case. This is not Alice's Missing, but for someone like me who's so used to just being like, open box, story, puzzles, this game will stress you out at the beginning because you need to take a moment. So my recommendation is figure out who your storyteller is going to be, give them the box a week in advance, and then for people like me who just want to show up and play the game, it is ready for it's you. ready to go. And that, again, that's something you got to learn about role-playing games, and that's actually what bars people from it. Like, for instance, with D&D, you got to buy a $50 book to learn how to play the base game. Then you got to buy another $50 book to have all of the monsters. Then you got to buy another $50 book to learn how to be a good DM. Then you got to watch a bunch of YouTube videos online. And then you do some research and find out you could have gotten all those books for free on another online <laughs> resource. And then you have to set up the game and you have to get people to show up. And it's a hassle. So this game is a lot quicker of setup than your standard role-playing game. But still, you got to have that prepared person that person who's probably going to stay the storyteller for the entire time, forever DMs. I respect you more than anyone out there. Uh, and it's just how it goes. It is. So closing out this section, we just want to say who this game is for. Uh, I think this game is for people that want a taste of what the bigger world of either escape room games or role-playing games are. It's a wonderful fusion. But like for me, I'm sitting here and going... I would love to take this game home, be the storyteller, and see what my wife and my older two kids do with this. Absolutely, because this is even beyond what an escape room is, yes. because you get the chance of, oh, I'm a person that I'm not right now. I get the chance to do things I couldn't normally do. Like, your youngest child could play as the dad. Sure. And mess around with and and, and have and hilarious strong. moments with that. But that's, but that's what's so great is... That, that, that's the ultimate point I want to get across this game. It is super easy as a player in this game to play this game. Absolutely. It is super easy. The storyteller has a lot of the brain. The storyteller has a lot of the difficulty and the complexity as it is with the D&D &D world. And a good storyteller will make it easy and fun for this game. So 
I don't want to scare people from playing it. My seven and eight year old could solve these puzzles 100%. and enjoy this game, but they're going to need the proper person to get them through and it. And like, that's the downside and upside of having the storyteller being the hint system, right? If like the whole group goes, we're stumped or a good storyteller might anticipate that they're starting to get stumped or frustrated. You can use NPCs or uh, maybe have them make perception checks that you make up on the spot and have them like go, oh, well, you notice this item that you couldn't see before, stuff like that to lead them in the right direction, which you can't really do streamlined in an escape room, which that, that kind of leads me to my next point. Whenever I hear about like, oh, at home escape rooms or at home puzzle games, although the tr more traditional at home puzzle game is what others would think of. This is what I've always thought of and been like, but this isn't possible. Like, at home, mm. real at-home escape rooms aren't possible. Right. This feels like an at-home yes. escape room. You are playing an escape room vicariously through a character in actual environments that you get to explore. With a great story. And it's so interesting. It just takes the work. It does take the work it. to get into it. I agree. And that's really going to wrap us up for what we're saying. Uh, again, very, very minor little things. I, I felt like our room for improvement was more like, hey, be aware. Not like, really? not like this is bad. And so be sure to give this game uh, a check when it hits the stores. They just posted on the Kickstarter yesterday that they have three new stories coming out, more areas to explore. I want all of it's it. just this expansive, cool world that I, with the lore and everything that I hope they continue to explore. This is showing up at game night with yes. the puzzling company. Yes. We're playing I, this all I the time. I want to do this. I Now that I've played through, I want to be the storyteller and play with my kids. Like, that's what I'm thinking through. But hang on with us. Uh, we have a new section, not puzzles to the people. Oh, Jared lied to me before this episode. <laughs> we're calling started. it, and we need to make a new audio segment for it, but we're just calling it Game Talk. And we're going to talk about how this relates to other areas, mostly what we, Zach and I have been doing for the last two years. It just needed a more appropriate name. Okay. So hang around with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey everyone, Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've had local police department reach out to us. We've had federal agencies reach out to us. And we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. The stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play an unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And welcome on 
I'm back, guys. So apparently we're in the game talk section. I have no idea what's going on here. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. Let's see what happens. So I, I'm i doing to you what I've done for to Zach for two years. I've told you absolutely nothing about what's to happen, and I'm going to put you on the spot. This is wonderful. This is I love great. this. This is great. I want to dig into a little bit more of the D&D side of things. We, in my opinion, have yet to have a game that gets anywhere near this type of role-playing. We've done a little bit of it because it's been like very lightly encouraged in other games, but I want to talk about your experiences, my experiences, without getting too much into the weeds of Dungeons & Dragons because Dungeons & Dragons has a lot of weeds and a lot of detail because that's what people like. You can take it as, as far as you want to, as far as your imagination will stretch you and as far as your group wants to. But here's what I want to talk about in terms of where Dungeons and Dragons meets Shivers or where role-playing games meet Shivers. Is in your experience, my first question to you is, what was exciting to you? Like, what did Shivers come out and from a role-playing game expect, uh, uh, perspective, you were like, oh, I, that's awesome. Like, thank you for doing X, Y, and Z Shivers. So probably the biggest thing is the in-game environments. So one of my biggest struggles as a DM, and some people just have different kinds, I'm very good at writing out the story. I'm pretty imaginative, I'd like to say, and I have really good imagery in my head, but on the spot, sometimes it is really difficult to describe exactly what something looks like that you didn't prepare for. Yes. So you prepare this whole monologue about this archway and the hall and the dungeon, and then they take a different turn than you expected. And now you have this whole gap where you expected to like go on this long descriptive rant to let people really bask in the magnificence of your storytelling. And now it's lacking and you have to figure out how to fix that right now. And you can usually transfer some details over get a little sloppy, but you can figure it out with this game. Yeah. I'm going to do some descriptions of noises, make some sound effects, which I, I think I'm a little bit better at than with that. I mean, yeah, there were, there was, when we played, there was creaks there was footsteps. It, it was, you amplified the already immersive game. Right. But the best part is you go into a room. I don't get to say, oh, this is the thing you notice. You notice it. Whether you like it or not, that's the thing you notice. And you like that better. And that is so cool. Now, that the best part about this, and something I might change whenever I use something similar to this, is maybe there are things that you can't see as a player that you have to find as your character because your character might be better at things than you are and you might be better at certain things than your character is. And I would modify that as needed. But beyond that, like just being able to go, yeah, this is the parlor. Here's the piano. Here are the flowers. And you just get to run wild with that. And I don't have to bog you down with descriptions that might like turn you off sure. from the gameplay. You get to focus on playing a game. And that, again, is something that kind of turns people away from role-playing games. So this is a really, I think this is an amazing way to introduce players to D&D style of games. And I love that so much. So uh, not limiting? Absolutely not. Okay. I, th I think it could, I think some people might see it as that. But since these stories are already pre-written, it does all of the work for you. You just need to be prepared for what your, your players might do. Um, in the future, whenever we run out of episodes, I might be like, man, I wish there was some sort of customization to this. But also, there is a lot of customization. I can mismatch details if I want. There's guides on how to do that. There's guides for you to make your own characters. And so I can make my own environments for this. So yeah, it's a little bit limiting that it's the specific house that you're always going to and these specific rooms in the house are available to sure. you. But as expansions come out, and I think they're going to realize that this is probably one of their biggest strengths about the game, 
More expansions should be about being able to shuffle things around. The magnetic environment. Yes. Being able to click things together. They are prepared for that aspect of getting rid of the limiting. Especially because with Series C expansion and the Series B expansions, they introduce things that are outside of the house. So you can have Mm. different locations. You can have them go between the house. Maybe the house becomes their home base after they liberate it and they can go over to this like circus world or something like that. You have a lot of different ways. If you're creative enough, nothing is limiting in a role-playing game. Okay. No, I like that a lot. Now, uh, talk me through this in terms of um, what you liked or didn't like about this in the systems that were in place, right? Because you mentioned at the end of last section in order to play base D&D, you got to buy the book. Yep. We had a booklet provided to us in this game to make sure that our storyteller was successful. And I sensed watching you that there were like, this is a great idea. And in some sections, as an experienced player, you were like, ah, like, yeah. and, 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 and this may feel like we're reviewing the game again in this section, but we're doing it from a, I wanted to do it from a very particular lens yeah, that, that doesn't belong to the general, always the general public. So like as a DM, what I would want to do here is add random encounters. Like I would put a ghost under the rug. I would put smaller skeletons that you find on the way to the big bad. I want to use other more characters as foreshadowing. And I think that's just because this is an earlier episode. There's not as many Right, we didn't dig into, we don't know what's ahead and of us. And I think what the biggest lacking area for this, because this game is more about puzzle solving, the combat system is not as exciting as it could be. Now, it's very much like you fail, you do something kind of dumb, or you it works, right? Like, there's, there's a really cool way of doing that. I like the way the dice system works. It's a lot more simple than the D20 system. Uh, just in case you don't uh, know too much about the game, there are three six-sided dice, or D6s, um, and there's a green one, which is balanced more in your favor. It's more likely to work and less likely to backfire. Um, there's a blue die, which is neutral, equal chances of everything, and then the red die, you can still succeed potentially, but there's a lot more chances to backfire. I succeeded more on the red die than I did on the green Jared die. Jared has some <laughs> weird luck, man. It's very interesting to watch. But yeah, with the D20 system, you have a 20-sided die that determines whether or not you succeed, and then you have damage dice and specific abilities dice and ways of healing and stuff and that's not in here it either works kind of works doesn't work blows up in your face right and then you still as the storyteller have the ability to like be like i don't care like this is what this is this is what's gonna happen and they had a lot of really cool workarounds like i saw there was a random table and the way random tables work in DD is you take two 10-sided dice and that becomes a percentile dice or a d100 you roll them together one is the ones place one is the tens place and that helps you determine something random on a table in here, I was like, okay, how are you going to take 3d6 and turn that into a random table? It's actually really interesting. It's based off of the combo of works doesn't work. Mm. And so if it's a if it's something that works and something that works. Is that what you were rolling secretly yes. while was, I was, it was playing? was so interesting. So there is a random encounter system with finding random items. If you explore something, I'm not ready for you to anticipate. Or if there's a way I want to integrate hints without outright saying something because i know with jared he would just figure it out at the moment i hint him uh, i would need to be a little bit more vague with it uh for there it's a lot about items in different ways you just roll two dice and if it's like a work doesn't work or work work or work backfire it does something different and i really found that super creative a super cool way of getting around that so i like the simpler system still always as a loyalist to DD, i'm going to prefer that more complex system sure it has more freedom but I see myself going, hey, maybe there's these 3D6 for the main stuff, and then I can give people dice and tell them what to do with it. 
if I want to make this more complicated. And this is a really good, again, another really good teaching tool. Yes. I, I, and I felt that. Like, I think teaching tool is a great word because it feels so introductory to it, both if you are planning to be a DM, DMing as the storyteller in here would be helpful to you if you've never done it before, right? Like if you've never run a and d campaign and you're maybe afraid of that, play the shivers, experience what it's like to have that control, that opportunity to really showcase your storytelling apart from what's already lined out. It's, it's all right here. And it's not, you know, the D&D booklet terrifies me because it's like 800 pages and it's, I'm, I'm feel like I'm never going to get to play the way the game it's intended as, as a non D and D person. But, or if you are just looking to play a game as like a young player where you're inspecting, making connections, maybe solving a simple puzzle, this is great for that too. Absolutely. But again, this game hinges on the storyteller. Absolutely. And so, and what's interesting about that, the box says 14 and up. Yes. And when we played the game, I was like, there's no way because the player does not have that much difficulty. I read through the manual a bit closer. It says, now the players can be any age if you're comfortable with that as a storyteller. Yes. But the storyteller needs to be at least 14. I years to- old. And I totally and I agree with that. that. There's a lot of maturity that comes with this, there's a lot of like learning capabilities yes. that come with that. So if you're a really mature 13 year old, maybe. But I would, Maybe. Say, I would say 14. But And what's really interesting for beginning DMs, there's a complications chart to help you with improving. If your character, if your players do something that you don't expect, there's a whole section that teaches you how to improv and then refers you to specific pages to help you with complications and random items and how to hint. And I adore that because D&D has those guides, but those guides are 50 pages long. Right. And then they're inside of a larger book of like here's all of these ways that you need to write the campaign and i think a lot of those rule books kind of scare people away from D, even though D is very clear these rules are just suggestions they're here to right. help you and the classic uh, uh jack sparrow they're more like guidelines exactly yes exactly. whereas with this book it is very clear this is just to make sure the game works if yeah. you find a better way of making it work do it and if it works well let us know okay then fill in the blank here for a lot of people that, like myself, are haven't played a lot of role-playing games or maybe in some situations are a little RP-adverse, um, the point of an RP game is fill-in-the-blank. The storyteller is kind of a misnomer in a, in a role-playing game. The point of a role-playing game is to build a community, is to tell a good story, and is to find the way to use these infinite possibilities in front of you and make the most amount of fun you can because as so kid, fun fun is in game it, absolutely it is inherent if you're not having fun you're not playing it right and you're it's not a game anymore that's why people get scared by the role-playing aspect they're missing the third word game you mm. need to focus on the fact it is a game you're here to have fun and that's why with D people say there's no losing D unless you're not having fun i, I like that i think that's because i feel like there is I feel like with complication and complexity comes intensity and it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. And that's what the shiver does so well is like, this is classic, right? The, the creepy manner, uh, even the artwork on the front of the box sets you up for something that you're already familiar with, takes its own take on it. And then really that becomes the metaphor for everything, whether it's the puzzle solving or the role playing in this game. It's just like, let's simplify this get your feet wet, and then I'm sure as we get on, it'll throw some twists, some complications, some complexity, 
into it to keep the game varied and engaging. Absolutely. And there's a lot of room to customize it as the storyteller. It says, here is what happens. Here's some things that people will say. Fill in the blanks. Figure out how to make this more your own. And I just, that's why I'm like, there's no limiting if you're experienced enough or you're prepared enough or you're eager enough. Because you don't have to be a really good DM if you're eager enough, if you're determined. I want this to be fun. You're going to make it fun. You're going to find a way. And that is always the goal. I know. I love that. And I love that. And the other thing about this that I think we should dote on and spend kind of the last little bit of this middle section talking about is although the format is familiar, the setting is familiar, the characters and the bad guys are they're kind of quirky. They're super interesting and they're not, they're it's strange. it's not you you think this and it's you're like it's going to be flat, but the first the tutorial boss was out of left field completely. I I was like, wait, so what does it say? <laughs> yeah, what to do here? And even the second game, like I I would say the game one A is more of a traditional bad guy, um and but even then like I liked this because it felt its own. Yeah, and the best thing about a role-playing game, especially when, with these materials provided to you. Even though this can seem limiting, like, oh, there are these specific environments, there are these specific puzzles, um, because of how the characters work and because of how it says these are the bosses you're supposed to have that you can put in new ones if you'd like, no two games are going to be the same. I like that. I like that a lot. And the people around the table are going to determine that Absolutely. as well as some of the mechanics of the game. I'm, That's cool. I'm very excited to throw Zach and Hunter into this one. Oh, it's going to sure. be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll take some videos. We'll put them on our Instagram, our, all of our social medias, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. But that really is uh, going to wrap us up for our middle section. Again, all about intro to role-playing, intro to if it, Dungeon and Dragons is just one of many role-playing type of games. Um, and again, just a really cool opportunity for people to find a game that can whet their appetite for bigger and cooler things. Even though I think the uh, Shivers universe has a lot of opportunity to grow itself and expand, which obviously was put into place. That, uh, that really is going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Andy Logan again and the Shivers. You can find them, the, the Kickstarter, their eventual store, just by searching Shivers, or the Shivers, I should say. Be looking out for all of them. They've been traveling across the country to different conferences. This is a game worth picking up, in our opinion. For us at Puzzling Company, if you want to reach out to us, email contact at puzzlingcompany.com, or you can find us at all of the different social medias. TikTok coming soon. Ooh, and Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah, Hunter's blowing it out. We're Our new members are, are blowing it up, and, and we're, we're a happening place from this old fogey. Absolutely. So hip. So hip. <laughs> God bless the social media generation, which I <laughs> felt like I should be a part of, but I'm not. Uh, for all of us at Puzzling Company, but today, Jared and Matthew, thanks. Next week, it won't be either of us. Neither. That's, this is so strange. This is the magic of the new Puzzling Company. I'm kind of loving it, though. So we let Zach and uh, Hunter get behind computers and take on our digital episode of the month. And they will be playing uh, the new game that was just released last month called The Past Within, which is a really cool split-screen experience. Yeah, they're going to have a field day with that one. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to hear Hunter's perspective on it. 
uh, because he's just so geeked up and ready to play video games. Like it's awesome. Let's release the Kraken. I think it's so perfect that like I ended up with an RPG immediately, and he ended up with a video game immediately. That worked out too. It well. was good. It was good. We'll have to like switch it up and make you suffer in, oh, in, no. in, in the future. <laughs> in the future, but that that whole game is from the Rusty Lake creators. And that's its own world, and this game aims to please. And I'm kind of jelly that I'm not playing it. But even now, I next week I just get to be a listener, it and is. maybe maybe we'll pick up the game and play it. Right, and we'll trade with them. And <laughs> yeah, we'll have our own I love it. it. Yeah. I, that's what Puzzling Company is all about. I'm so happy we have you here, Matthew, and that you're a part of this now. Thank you so much. It's been very fun so far. Uh, it's going to be good to see the future of this. The future is bright. Check us out on the 25th for that episode of The Past Within. And then in February, we'll be coming to you with a whole new slate of three episodes and three games. So thanks for listening. Everyone here at Puzzling Company, we'll get you next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Puzzling.